0: Ladies and gentlemen, live from the world's most beautiful city, San Francisco, California, Ring Talk, your inside look into the world of boxing and mixed martial arts.
1: Yes, sir, happy days are here again.
0: Ring Talk on Sports Byline is brought to you by the World Boxing Organization and RingTalk.com.
1: So let it be written. So let it be done.
0: And now, the host of the longest running fight show in history. Formerly vacuum cleaner salesman, strongest man on earth, and now mental giant. Ladies and gentlemen, Pedro Fernandez. He doesn't know where he is. <laughs> 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 yeah.
2: Damas y caballeros, bienvenidos, uh, Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Sports Byline Broadcast Network and Ring Talk Live Worldwide, your inside look into the world of boxing and mixed martial arts. Yes, my name is Pedro Fernandez and I am the reigning, the defending, undisputed heavyweight champion of the radio airwaves, having defended that title now for better than 29 years. Straight up today, we're talking two hours of combat sports. On the Sports Byline Broadcast Network, the I Radio Network, and of course, the American Forces Network. First hour, we'll focus on boxing. Of course, HBO in the limelight last night, the spotlight, of course, with the World Light Heavyweight Championship on the line. The undefeated Sergei Kovalev, well, he remained that way. We'll talk about how the crusher crushed his foe from Australia in two rounds. But lots of stuff to talk about in the world of MMA as well, of course, UFC. The next big fight on USC is August the 30th. I'm talking about Sacramento, California. The hometown lad, T.J. Dillashaw, the world weight champion, 135 pounds. Taking on the former champion, the living legend, but he'll get snuffed twice in a row. I'm talking about Renan Barreo of Brazil. So Brazil versus the U.S. Sleep Train Arena, August the 30th, USC on pay-per-view. You are tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide. Check it. This is the Sports Byline Broadcast Network.
3: and cool off this summer on a whitewater rafting adventure with all-outdoors whitewater rafting. Despite the California drought, we have plenty of water for great rafting trips in 2014. Four rivers are running right now the South Fork and Middle Fork of the American, the Tuolumne, and Cherry Creek, all within easy driving distance of the Bay Area and Sacramento. All Outdoors Rafting offers trips that range from beginner trips to the ultimate challenge of class five whitewater and are great for families, groups, and singles. Trips last from one to three days. All Outdoors have been family owned and operated since 1962, and their guides love what they do. Come see why rafting is the best way to experience the great outdoors this summer. Learn more and book your summer rafting trips at aorafting.com or call
4: 824 Rafts. My joints used to kill me. I'd wake up with stiff knees and a stiff back and it wouldn't get much better throughout the day. I went to doctors and took almost every supplement you can think of and nothing seemed to help. Then I found something called oil can joint lubricant.
5: protective insurance specialist is a referral service that connects you to a licensed agent. Availability, waiting periods, and limitations vary by state. Not major medical. Certain plans require association membership.
3: After my husband passed away, we couldn't pay the mortgage, make car payments, or pay bills. Sometimes even having enough food was a problem. All of a sudden, our financial security, gone.
5: You've made plans for the future. College for the kids. Retirement. Have you thought of the unexpected curves life can throw at you? Ask yourself, what if... 800-473-0563
6: I think that the
0: Affordable Care Act, you know, as long as it wasn't a name of the Obamacare, it would pass they made the test already, but the fact of the matter is at the essence of it all is people need health care. Now, more of ring talk with Pedro Fernandez.
6: Well, you have to talk to my lawyer on that one.
2: The man. The don. The Teflon Don, incredible man, incredibly intelligent. When he went to prison in 1967, uh, he read every book in the prison library. I'm talking about cookbooks, uh, anything. He read everything, everything on the shelves in the prison library. Quite an intelligent man, self-taught for the most part uh, from the school of hard knocks, Mr. Don King. You are tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide. You're inside looking to the world of boxing. Last night. Let's go to uh, Atlantic City first. The Ravel Casino. Of course, HBO had to make fun of the Ravel because they're having financial problems. They some something to the effect where, yeah, the Ravel Hotel, which is rumored to be closing down, but right now they're having a card. So anyway, they did have a card last night, of course. On top, the still unbeaten Sergey Kovlov. What a monster. Formerly of Russia and now living in Fort Lauderdale. We'll get his trainer on the air, I believe, next week, John David Jackson, the former two-time uh, middleweight champion, a WBA middleweight champion, fantastic fighter himself, until he ran into that left hook by Jorge Castro, was licking Jorge like a stamp on a Don King pay-per-view, I think from Monterey, Mexico. There was all kinds of, remember when Don King used to throw those real good cards, four or five championship fights, and, you know, they, they'd be de- decent fights. It lasts last a long time, but, but Don, by that, you know, that closed-circuit, and that pay-per-view signal, and we get to watch fights like that. But he ran into a left hook by Jorge Castro. Man, it was all over. I mean, lights out. Bob, boom! What a punch. Don't get hit by a left hook. Especially, see, left hooks are the only punches that really hurt me when I was boxing. Left hooks, take that back, and right hooks. I got drilled one time by a guy with a right hook, Ernie Chavez of, uh, I think, West Covina, California. Man, did, could he punch. Meldrick Taylor fought him. The 1984 Olympic gold medals. I tried to tell Mel, the guy can punch. Mel said to me, "I tried to help Mel before the fight. So listen, you gotta watch this guy. He's got a hell of a right hook. He's a southpaw. He's got a hell of a right hook. He looks a fat, little fat, a little pudgy, this and that. But don't don't looks are deceiving. Believe me. So looks were deceiving because I thought he was a fat, slow guy. And when I fought him in the regionals, uh, the national regionals, uh, Golden Glove Championships down there in Las Vegas at the Showboat Hotel, man, he 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 that man put a beating on me. He was he was too 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 big. That was the difference between." Being a junior welterweight and a welterweight. And I keep trying to tell people that, that there is a difference between these weight classes when you tell people, oh, just move up and wait. It isn't all that easy. It isn't easy to move up and wait. Roberto Duran did it, but not too many guys can. Back to the subject at hand the WBO, the unbeaten WBO, light heavyweight champion, now 25 0, 23 KOs. Of course, Sergey Kovalov, man, destroying Blake Caparello last night. Actually, Caparello will go down as uh, having knocked. The crusher down in the first round I actually stepped on his foot and sort of pushed him, and boom, and he, he went down. The referee called it a knockdown. I didn't think it was a knockdown because anytime you've got your you know foot on top of the other guy's foot, it's not a knockdown. No matter what happens, you, you know that's that's not what's happening. Because I know I used to step on guys' feet when guys would run for me. We you know those those runners, you crack them in the body a couple times, and then they start running. I mean, like running, jogging around the ring. Yeah, you got to crack those guys, and sometimes they're just too. Too fleet of foot, so you got to step on their foot in order to get him to stop, you know, be in one spot in order to bang on him a little bit. But, um, <laughs> hand speed. Bottom line is, Blake Caparella didn't have it last night and he did step on the man's foot. He will go down probably. This, this, if Sergey Kovlov continues on the, the reign of terror that, that I foresee for him, because I see him, you know, beating Bernard Hopkins. Bernard's nearly 50 years old and Bernard's got the perfect shell defense. I mean, if you're a boxer or an aspiring boxer, you want to learn how to box and, I think watching Hopkins to an extent perform defensively would be would be an attribute. Anything else? I don't know. Just, just watch it. I mean, just watch his, his, his basics. You know, hands up, chin down, feet in position at all times. Usually angled. You know, with the with the lead foot forward and the L stance. I mean, he's usually got all that stuff perfect. And when you've got that stuff perfect, you can pick stuff off like the elbows. Have those elbows in. You pick off shots of the body. All you've got to do is stuff. Worry about stuff coming up the middle. And usually you can block that. He's very good at it. He's adept at just about... He look at, He's a defensive master, even at the age of 49, almost 50 now. But in November, it's all coming to an end. B-Hop, I love you. We play, hop, we play Hopkins a lot. We do. We we play little quip clips of Bernard Hopkins over the years a lot. I appreciate him. Uh, the fact that he didn't tip in that restaurant in 2001, circa 2001 in Las Vegas. Well, that's him, okay? And people say he's greedy. Well, that's him. But outside of that... I mean, put his, his greed aside and his aspirations for money that four or five generations of Hopkins will be unable to spend. Anyway, um, he's, been, he's been a pretty good fighter. He really has. I mean, he lost the middleweight championship to Jermaine Taylor. He forced Jermaine Taylor, a Olympic bronze medalist back in 2000 out of Little Rock, Arkansas. And you remember what happened when I went to Little Rock to televise one of um, Bernard, Hop- uh, Bernard Hopkins, Jermaine Taylor's fights. Remember that one? Remember they got all mad down there? Yeah, my father was born down there and they got upset. Because I said on international television when they asked me, "Hey Pedro, well, wasn't your father born in Little Rock?" I said, "Yeah." I said something to the effect of, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, uh, he was." And well, what do you think? I said, "Well, thank God, Grandma didn't miss that greyhound." And I, they didn't—they didn't go over too well in Little Rock. Can you imagine? Can you imagine Arkansas having thin skin? <laughs> you are tuned to Ring Talk Live worldwide. You're inside looking into the world of boxing. Bit of a farce last night, as far as the judging was concerned in Las Vegas, of course. This HBO card was split in two spots. They had it in Las Vegas, and they had it in Atlantic City. The Kovalov fight was from Atlantic City. Brandon Rios was headlining a card in which uh, uh, he was fighting Diego Chavez, and that was a battle at Welterweight. But let's go to the junior Welterweight title, the WBA title, so-called. Jesse Vargas of Las Vegas, Nevada, now 25-0, nine Kales, got beat. I mean, flat out got his tail handed to him. Got beat. Um, the, even the punch that guys had it going on, had him had landing more punches. I'm talking about Anton Novakov. And Novakov was undefeated coming in, 29-0, 10 KOs. He was cracking this kid. From the fifth round on, he just beat the snot out of him. Not that he wasn't winning in the early rounds. I mean, Jesse had a couple of rounds, but that was it. That was it. He never outlanded uh, the, uh, the harder-punching uh, Ruskin. He never outlanded him after the fifth round, I believe, until like round 11 or something like that. round 12. The bottom line was, he was robbed. Get these scores, folks. I'm mind-boggling here. 118-111, 118-111, and 117-111. And there was two rounds and two rounds and one even on two of the cards, and then three rounds he won on the other card. They gave Anton Novikov no respect, folks. This is the Rodney Dangerfield of, bo- of boxing. This is the poster boy for robberies in 2014. This was it. It, it happened last night on HBO. You had to say, what, what, what am I supposed to believe? Am I, those judges? Are my, are my eyes lying to me? No, your eyes aren't lying to you, folks. That Russian beat the snot out of the kid from Las Vegas. Another bad Las Vegas decision. Brings me back to the decision I think that uh, Eric Morales bought, got over Gutierrez Spadis. Of course, Eric Morales was basically uh, a Las Vegas fighter, even though he was from Tijuana. He was fighting out of Vegas every time. Uh, every time he went to the Post, it was in Las Vegas for the most part. And so he got that, that, that decision over Gutierrez Spadis Jr., of course, hey, his father, of the former. We're
1: all going to get laid.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. They're all going to get laid. Ronnie Dangerfield, my man. Anyway, the bottom line was Jesse Vargas not in the upper echelon of uh, world-class fighters. A gift win last night. He is the WB 140-pound champion with an asterisk next to it. And this guy Anton Novikov. If the WB has got any stones, they don't. I call them the world of Bunko and Anarchy. So just figure that one out. If that's their nickname, do you know, Bunko and Anarchy. Yes, that's just the way it is. They're from Venezuela. And they're, uh, you know, they they march to their own tune for the most part. They've been able to skirt a lot of U.S. laws because they're based in Venezuela. They've done things like, I remember one of the champions got knocked out. Get this, got knocked out. And the corner man went over during the, the uh, between rounds, picked the fighter up, and drug him back to the stool and sat him on the stool. I mean, he was out, sat him on the stool. And that was Juan Koji. And, and then Koji was brought back and he did it again. Did it twice in a fight. Seriously. I mean, stuff like this happens in WBA title fights. Of course, the WBA was a one sanctioning body. They were trying to take the uh, title away from Buster Douglas when he beat Mike Tyson, as was the WBC. Remember the WBC trying to do that stuff? Jose Suleiman saying the, the, the count was too long and things like that. No, no. It's a 10 count. It's not a 10 second count. It's a 10 count. There's no, there's no saying it's a ten second count. It's a ten count. Ask me, I know. I had Michael, uh, was it Mike O'Neill? Uh, what was his name? I had one of the O'Neill guys on the deck here in the Civic Auditorium in San Francisco for a total of eighteen seconds. And guess what? They didn't call it a knockout. Yeah, he recovered, landed one punch, and they called the fight. And that was one of the bigger stinks in the, uh, in, the in the annals of <laughs> of boxing here in San Francisco. But last night. That was a bit of a stinker, and I really feel bad for the kids. Speaking of feeling bad for guys, Vic Draculich. You know that deer-in-the-headlights referee? Yeah, the guy at Reno, Nevada. He shouldn't be doing championship fights. He just doesn't have it, okay? He doesn't have it. Last night, he disqualified Diego Chavez. Not everybody's so sure why, but he did so. The winner was Brandon Rios in a welterweight contest. That was the HBO main event out here on the West Coast. HBO going east and west. Pretty good combo of boxing. You are tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide, 1-800-878-7529. That's 1-800-878-7529. This is Ring Talk Live Worldwide on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network, the iHeart Radio Network, and the American Forces Network.
9: Can I give you some advice?
5: I'd appreciate that.
9: You're gonna find a trainer either in this gym or somewhere else that's gonna wanna train a girl. It's the latest freak show out there. But the only trouble is they're gonna be wasting your time because you're too old. I don't feel that old. Well, neither do I, but you don't see me fighting 21-year-olds, do you? Takes about four years to train a fighter. How old are you? 31, (laughs) until my next birthday. Well, there you go, 31. You wouldn't start training to be a ballerina at 31 now, would you?
5: I've been working it for three years.
9: And you can't hit a speed bag? What kind of training is that?
5: Never had any balls.
0: Now, more of Ring Talk with Pedro Fernandez.
1: He is the greatest fighter of all times next to me.
2: Ah, the sweet sound of the great Rick Stevens, one of the true godfathers of soul and R&B, man. Him and Lenny Williams, those two guys, they should do an album together. I suggested that, and of course they've talked about it, but straight up, two good friends. Wish them the very best in the future. You are tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide. You're inside looking to the world of boxing. Well, I guess the the big talk uh, the last 24 to 40 hours has been this video that's been up on the web as far as... uh, the world heavyweight champion talk about the sixty two and three, fifty two knockouts, nineteen ninety six Olympic gold medalist, Mr. Vladimir Klitschko, thirty eight years old now. And of course, the uh antagonist is Shannon Briggs. Remember Shannon Briggs he beat like didn't he beat George Foreman like like a like like nineteen ninety six, something like that. Anyway, he's um Uh, He's an old dude. He's like 42 years old. I mean, come on, man. He's 42 years old. What do we really need Shannon Briggs around for? But 55 and 6. He's got the gray beard. He's been been stopped twice. He's got one draw, 48 KOs. As people say, he was the last world linear linear American heavyweight champion. And I've been looking at his record, and since he lost to Vitaly Klitschko in 2010, he's fought one, two, three, four, four pedestrian guys. And to say pedestrian is probably saying the very best. And that's the best I can say about these guys. But four pedestrian guys since then. But here's what's up. He and uh, he goes in and bothers Vladimir Klitschko. Vladimir is supposedly having dinner somewhere like in Florida. And he goes in there and bothers him and sort of mugs him at the table. And Vladimir orders him a drink and then pours the drink over his head. You know, I mean, this, this sort of looked like slapstick comedy. And then you know, Briggs like gets upset and they you know start throw these fake blows back and forth. And Briggs is saying it wasn't staged, and Vladimir is not saying anything. And you know, I know I understand the heavyweight division sort of sort of dull at this point in time, but but it was good back in the day when Fraser hated Ali, and when he went across that table at Ali, he went across him with. Intensity and in and and, and he was real, okay. It was damn real, okay. To, to steal a line from Kurt Angle, okay. But here, you know, it's partial, and it's different. I mean, it's sort of like Mike Tyson, sort of like Mike Tyson and 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 Dana White. When Mike Tyson bullied Dana White on that plane, it was it was Dana White's plane. Come on, that was all choreographed and rehearsed. Now, my expert on boxing, one of them is Kevin Perry of RingTalk.com. Now, I'm going to bring him in here with the sixty-four thousand dollar question. I think the Vladimir Klitschko Shannon Briggs thing was staged. Was it or was it not? One word answer, Kev. Staged. Staged. See that I think it was too, yeah. But hey, it wasn't ba- it wasn't bad comedy. It just was it's just, you know, having seen real guys do this and having seen Ali and Frazier go at each other and, and Leonard and Ali, for that, I mean, Leonard and, Leonard and Ali, Leonard Duran that first time when Duran, you know, turned into a vicious animal on June 20th, 1980 and captured the World Welterweight Championship up there in the brawl in Montreal, uh, ending Leonard's unbeaten streak. I mean, th- that tenacity, that that was real. I'm used to seeing the real stuff. The fake stuff, you know, I could, I could watch WWE. Yeah,
10: so... Um it's interesting. It's it's, it's it's kind of funny to me because um, I guess what's kind of phony to me is this dislike that he has for Klitschko. I just don't see why he would dislike uh, Klitschko at all. I mean, Klitschko's a pretty pretty honest guy. I mean, he's a good guy. He does a lot of charity work. Um, he's not somebody that talks a lot of smack or anything
2: like that. And, and so he takes don't... and he takes intimate photos with his brother. <laughs> Go on. So yeah, I mean, he seems like a. Oh, wait, wait, hold on, Kev, 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 you laughed, you laughed at that one. You know I'm right, right? I I've never seen the
10: photos, so I, I I don't really have much to say about that. The,
2: the photos of them on the boat wearing a pair of like 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 uh, what do they call those little uh underwear anyway? The not the G strings. Speedos. Speedos, exactly. Both those guys in speedos. Yeah, it was sort of. It had it. It had a. It had a look to it. Anyway, continue. So I, I apologize for interrupting.
10: Yeah, it's, um, I, I just don't see it, and, and the thing is, um, there's been maybe about four or five different videos that have happened in the last few months, mm-hmm. and I think if this was real, in my opinion, um, after maybe the second time, I mean, don't you think you would have got a kind of got a restraining order against this guy trying to come and just, you know, on your own personal time and kind of just, you know, get involved in your own personal business, which, which I think is completely disrespectful. And and Klitschko's reactions in the videos just didn't seem real to me. I mean, it seemed kind of more like a joke, a slapstick kind of thing. Um, yeah, just just kind of questionable, but definitely definitely entertaining. I mean, it could make definitely a little uh, reality show out of it. That's what it appears like to me.
2: I'm not sure what the quality of movies are like in in Russia and the Ukraine, but I I don't see Vladimir becoming a um, an actor. Not I, I,
10: I don't I don't I don't see it either. But it's it's definitely. Um, I mean, it's amusing. I mean, it gets people's attention. It's kind of like uh, these things nowadays, uh, like Adrian Broner, for example. It's like you you kind of become famous for being the clown, whether the clown act is a funny clown act or it's a ridiculous clown act. It it gets people's attention. And I I think that's, whether this is real or it's fake, Briggs is definitely getting a lot of attention that he doesn't deserve because he hasn't beaten any decent uh, heavyweight contenders in quite a long time.
2: Okay, speaking of a guy that might, uh, might be getting a lot of attention he doesn't deserve, we're talking with Kevin Perry of ringtalk.com. You are tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide, the Sunday edition. Of course, Sundays we start at 11 a.m. Pacific time for two hours. We talk an hour of boxing, an hour of mixed martial arts, and then the Saturday show, entirely separate. We do an hour in which we combine both boxing and mixed martial arts right here on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network, the iHeartRadio Network, and, of course, the American Forces Network. And I want to mention this about the iHeartRadio Network. All three hours are now going up as of tomorrow to the iHeartRadio website. So you've got to just go to iHeart, download download the iHeartRadio app, and you're going to get three hours of Ring Talk every Monday morning, all three hours. You get the Saturday show, you get the, the Sunday show, the two-hour show. You get three hours of Ring Talk every Sunday morning when you download the iHeartRadio app and check out Ring Talk, Ring Talk Live Worldwide on the iHeartRadio network. Now, Kev, want to mention these iHeart numbers. Get this, in April, we did 27,000 listeners, and we kept uh, 9,000 people for an hour.
10: That's great. Yeah, that's, that's great. It's great to know that uh, people are really enjoying the show and, I listen to a few other uh, boxing shows out there, and not to be uh, put ourselves on a pedestal, but um, by far Ring Talk is the, the best boxing uh, radio program. But there are some other pretty decent ones out there. So. Yeah,
2: but, but you know why it's, you know why it's so good, don't you? We got this guy beyond on the other side of the glass. He's a grump sometimes, but he's taken my game to another level. I'm talking about my producer Scott Cuddy.
10: Oh, it, oh, I just got to give Scott Cuddy a lot of credit because I mean the sound bites that he does on the show are just just amazing, I mean, where he digs this stuff out from. Don't, I don't, don't
2: give him too much credit! That
10: comes close, so.
2: <laughs> I give him too much
10: too much credit, but the credit is well-deserved, and sometimes, uh, you know, you don't get a thank you uh, often enough, so, you know, definitely uh definite thank you to the producer.
2: Okay, Shannon Briggs, only 42 years old. Shannon Briggs, now, I'm going to say this in, in a way that I hope doesn't get me in trouble like he got Howard Cosell in trouble, but he reminds me of a steroid monkey. Um, he just does. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. I mean, he, he, I mean, you know, I know he's had asthma in the past and he's had different issues. He had different injuries to come back from, but you've seen pictures of that guy, man. He doesn't look natural to you. Does he? No, he
10: doesn't look natural, but at the same time, um, ever since I've seen him uh, as a professional boxer, he's always looked that way. So it's not like a situation where all of a sudden he got big. So, uh, no, you know, but guys normally who are built that way. You, you kind of got to assume that um, some of that is, is unnatural.
2: Well, Kev, you know, when he started out, he was a pretty uh, a light guy. I'm trying to look, go, go back and get some weights, and I'm not seeing any um, on him. But the bottom line was I remember he was only like 220, 215, something like that, and he was lean. I used to interview him when he was swimming in the uh, uh, the Jewish Community Center in, was it some somewhere in Jersey, maybe in Atlantic City? And he was swimming in the Jewish Community Center. And, of course, his then-for-manager was setting this all up. And he, he was well-connected, man. I mean, he was making money. He was doing some commercials back. He, of course, he eventually captured the the heavyweight title. But I don't know if he cashed in on the heavyweight title. Did he make any money as champion? Um, I'm,
10: I'm not sure. I mean, I, I'm assuming, uh, considering the fact that he did fight George Foreman, I'm sure he got a pretty decent purse there. Um, I don't know if he necessarily cashed in as champion. But he did have some significant fights. I mean, he did uh, lose that bout to Lennox Lewis where he got knocked out. TKO 5. He fight against Vitaly Klitschko. So, I mean, he's made a living off of being an opponent. So, I mean, and he's not really the greatest fighter technically. He's more of like a puncher. Um, Doesn't have great stamina. So, I mean... You kind of almost got to say he's a little bit of an overachiever, because as far as boxing ability, I mean, he's not really up there.
2: Freeze that thought. You are tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide. Kevin Perry is on the line from Las Vegas, Nevada. Of course, our Sin City expert. This is Ring Talk. You're inside looking to the world of boxing in this hour. The next hour, we talk mixed martial arts on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network, the I Radio Network, and all those troops out there on the American Forces Network. Hey!
6: At last, Nexium, the purple pill, is available without a prescription for frequent heartburn. See those women drinking their iced mocha whatevers? Now they have Nexium level protection. That guy struggling to text and eat soup at the same time? Him too. Introducing Nexium 24 Hour, the protection of the number one prescribed acid blocking brand, just without the prescription. New Nexium 24 Hour, Nexium level protection, now in the heartburn aisle.
7: May take one to four days, use as directed to treat frequent heartburn, not for immediate relief.
9: In 2000, the U.S. national debt was $5.6 trillion, and gold was $272 an ounce. By 2010, the U.S. debt was $13.5 trillion. Gold had risen to $1,421. Today, our government is projecting over $20 trillion of debt in the year 2016. Isn't it time you own gold? You can't control federal spending but you can control where you put your investment dollars. Goldline has safely delivered billions of dollars in gold to its clients for over 50 years. Diversifying with gold is a smart strategy. Call Goldline today to receive your free investor kit. 800-319-9027. Ask them about payment options and read their important risk information to see if buying gold is right for you. Use your credit card for safety and convenience. Don't wait. Call Goldline today, 800-319-9027, 800-319-9027.
5: Nick Bonsanto here inviting you to join me on the Nick Bonsanto Show weekdays, 3 to 6 Pacific, 6 to 9 Eastern, right here on Sports Byline. We'll talk about sports and, well, anything that's even closely related to sports. We'll do it all live from Las Vegas each and every day. We invite you in. Hope you will join us. We're the show that's bigger, bolder, and better. It's the Nick Bonsanto Show weekdays, 3 to 6 Pacific, 6 to 9 Eastern, on the Sports Byline USA Network.
0: Now more of Ring Talk. With Pedro Fernandez. Fellas, I'm ready to get up and do my thing.
3: I want to get into it, man. You know, like a like a sex machine, man. Moving, doing it, you know. Can I count it off? One, two, three,
0: four. Get up, get on up. Get
6: up,
2: get
0: on up. Godfather of soul.
6: Got a new movie out on him.
2: The bad, the good, the great. James Brown. Got Got to see him about. I guess 2001 told that story a thousand times, but not too many guys can tell this story, so I will. It was with Tower of Power backstage at the Paramount Theater in, in Oakland, California, and uh. James Brown was the headliner that night, and I was backstage with Tower Bobo and they said, you got to go back to your seat. Well, I sort of like hung around backstage and stayed backstage, and James Brown came out, and they, they put a fur coat on him, like this mink coat, and put a mirror up in front of him, made sure his hair was perfect, and he stepped out on stage. It was so bad. What a memory, folks. James Brown, the godfather of soul. Check out the movie. Today, we have Kevin Perry of rinktalk.com on the line from Las Vegas, out of his headquarters. Of course, we're going to go back in time, folks, to 1974. That's right. 40 years, back in time, to when Muhammad Ali and George Foreman were ready to go. and The, the time may have
1: come to
2: say goodbye to Muhammad
1: Ali, because very honestly, I don't think he can beat George Foreman. Howard Cosell, you told everybody I don't have a chance. You told them I don't have nothing but a prayer. Well, Chump, all I need is a prayer, because if that prayer reached the right man, not only will George Foreman fall, but mountains will fall. Maybe he can pull off a miracle. But against George Foreman, so young, so strong, so fearless, against George Foreman, who does away with his opponents one after another in less than three rounds, it's hard for me to conjure with that.
10: And you're always talking about Muhammad. You're not the same man you were ten years ago. Well, I asked your wife, and she told me you're not the
1: same man you were two years ago. After this fight, I suspect Ali will retire. And through all of the years, my own memories of him will be as a fighter and as the strange and curious and gregarious and engaging and sometimes cruel and sometimes family man that he is.
9: I'm going to let
6: everybody know that that thing you got on your head is a phony and it comes from a tail of a pony. Ha!
2: That was, of course, pre-fight. Muhammad Ali, Howard Cosell, Howard Cosell, late Howard Cosell, the man when it came to boxing in the 60s and 70s, of course, wide world of sports and ABC. And then there was post-fight, Ali Foreman. Ali, it seems to be, well, kind of going the way he wants. He's not dancing as much as we thought, but he seems able to control him. Now it's a pretty good, good
3: heavy
0: right hand taken on the left side of the cheek by Ali. Good right hand thrown by Foreman that time. Again, for Foreman, it seems to be one,
7: or
4: two, maybe three good punches. That punch taken on the gloves. That one slips by the left ear.
2: Tries to go with that right uppercut that felled Kenny Norton. The left hand again thrown out by Foreman. Both fighters now very much more potato than they were a round or so ago. Yeah, of, course, and of course, that fight ended with a TKO with Muhammad Ali capturing the World Heavyweight Championship. But straight up, Ali coming in at 44-2, and two. Foreman, 40 0, 38 KOs. Some people say it was like the biggest upset in heavyweight history. But of course, we've got the, the upset when Iron Mike Tyson was melted down into aluminum by Buster Douglas in 1990. Buster Douglas, Mike Tyson, Ali Foreman. Which was a bigger upset, Kevin Perry?
10: Um, I, I think the Tyson uh, and Buster Douglas one is a, a much bigger upset. Um, obviously, because odds wise, I mean, nobody in the world gave Buster Douglas a shot at beating um, Mike Tyson, uh, Ali was still a great, fo- well, maybe perhaps his prime, but perceived as a great fighter, fighting a fighter that's more in his prime. Buster Douglas was like a nobody who beat a great champion. So definitely, the and I think Buster Douglas was somewhere to 35 or 40 to 1 uh, underdog. And-
2: 38 to 1, and Ron Borges of the Boston Globe did lay some money on uh, on Buster. Wow, I mean, it,
10: it it was so shocking because so many people. It was like one of those fights where you're like, oh, I'm not even going to watch this one. I mean, you're going to blow this guy out one round. Why am I? Why would I pay for this fight? And then all of a sudden, uh, you got a phone call that Tyson uh, lost, and you you probably thought it was a complete joke. I mean, you had to see it with your own eyes.
2: Well, I was doing radio at KEST here in San Francisco, and and I interviewed Buster Douglas beforehand before the fight. It was one of the few people who did it. I had the article published, I believe, in Boxing Monthly Magazine, an English publication, got some good money for that back in the day. Anyway, um, I was on K E S T radio and some guy called me and he said he said, you know, George Foreman I'm George Foreman. He said, Mike Tyson just got knocked out. And I thought it was a joke. I really did. I thought it was a bit of a joke. I said, I've got it checked out. This is like pre internet. 1990, folks, pre-internet, we'd have things like that. We were you know, relying on the Associated Press and UPI and things like that as far as news outlets were concerned. But I had no no idea that Mike Tyson had been knocked out. But, yeah, he had been knocked out straight up. A big upset. And that was Colonel Bob Sheridan, uh, in, in case you wondered. The colonel doing the uh, Ali Foreman talk back then. Of course, Ali and Foreman. That was the first fight that Bob Sheridan ever did for Don King. And, man, he's been with Don King ever since straight up. The colonel and the Don. <laughs> a relationship that we should write about. Looking at today's heavyweight division with Kevin Perry on the line. Vladimir Klitschko, sixty-two and three, been stopped thrice, fifty-two whacks. Uh, Kubrad Pulov, I believe he's going to fight him real soon. He's twenty and zero with eleven KOs. You can right scratch him off. He's 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 lunch meat. Uh, Tyson Fury's third. Tyson Fury's twenty-two and zero with sixteen knockouts. He's been knocked down. He doesn't have a great chin or a great head. He's six foot eight, but he's king of the gypsies back in the. Uh, in the UK, and that's supposedly something. He's six foot seven and king of the gypsies. According to Eric Botcher, a noted boxing historian and matchmaker, uh, Tyson Fury lives in a caravan of mobile homes where they drive all around Europe or all around the UK living in these mobile homes, like a, a recreational outlet and things like that. I know that sounds a little far fetched, but if Eric said it for the most part, I, I take it back. You've got to believe everything Eric says, except for the fact that he thinks Lee Harvey Oswald did it all by himself. So the, 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 the Eric wasn't thinking when he thought about that one. Anyway, so guy number four is um is Vox uh Glasgow. He is 17011 with eleven KOs. He comes to us from Fort Lauderdale, obviously from Russia first one. Uh, Bermain Stevern, um Berman twenty four uh, and one. He's was stopped at one time, got a draw on twenty one KOs. And then some guy named Carlos Taberi and Alexander Povetkin and and Derek Chisora and Deontay Wilder. Well, Deontay Wilder, might be something really to think about. We don't know if he's going to develop into it. But is there anybody here that I've mentioned thus far? A Brian Jennings, who, who got that win to Silver, Mike Perez. Hey, did you think Brian Jennings should have got that win? I th- I had him. I had a win, in, especially with that point taken away. I gave him the 5 by 2 points.
10: I, I thought the fight should have been a draw, and I, I think that um, that I knew- point deduction was completely uncalled for. I think when a referee, and this is this is just my view on a fight, mm. is when a referee knows a fight and his mind is close. I don't think there's any reason, unless it's something completely blatant, for a referee to insert uh, his, you know, um, to really take points away. Because if he asserts
2: too much, I thought on, he tried. I thought he tried. I, I thought he tried to foul him in two instances. I thought he tried tried to butt him, and I I, I just you know I. I, I thought he, I thought the foul was legit. All right, let's turn to last night. Diego Chavez and um, and Brandon Rios. Did Diego Chavez deserve, deserve to be uh, disqualified?
10: No, and, and uh, I'll I bring something up. I, it's, it's funny. I was watching the fight uh, last night with my brother, and uh, when the fight started, the first thing I said, as soon as I saw who the referee was, I said, Vic Dracula is refereeing this fight. He's terrible. And what happened? It was a terrible, terrible Disqualification. I mean, both both guys were committing fouls. I mean, it was a dirty fight. Um, the bottom line is, he he's lost connected. Of, he, he lost control of the fight.
2: But that's he's connected. Happened. He has no control, period. I'm telling you, this guy is the most unassertive guy in the world. They had to teach him intestinal fortitude when he was a referee. He has none. I, he's like a deer in the headlights. I've been watching him for years. He's out of Reno, Nevada, or Carson City, one or the other, okay, northern Nevada. He's politically connected, and that's why he keeps getting these gigs, okay, because there's a lot better guys in the business, especially Nevada, than Vic Draculich. Oh,
10: There's plenty of I- and the thing that bothers me about the way they do, um, so if, for example, in a normal type of business, the guy who is the superior um, player or employee should get the best assignment every single time. I, I don't see why they got to mix up Vic Draculates into these main events. If Kenny Bayless is the, and Tony Weeks are the two best referees, in Nevada,
2: because and he's still, connected. That's why. Nevada, and then,
10: right. I, under, I understand what you're. I understand completely what you're saying. I, I guess that's that's just what I'm kind of. Um, I think where they should be going is Kenny Bayless should be doing the majority of the main events in Tony Weeks. I mean, they've definitely shown that they're capable referees. There's a couple other guys there that are very competent, and I just don't understand why got, uh, people who are incompetent keep getting these assignments. Uh, these judges in this Jesse Vargas fight against—oh um, man! Uh, I mean, oh, a, a rid- ridiculous oh. scorecard. Uh, just, just, just reeks. I mean, and when people who are casual fans of boxing—I mean, you don't got to be a rocket science to judge boxing. I mean, you could have it a couple points either way for either guy. I mean, that, I think that would be reasonable. It was a difficult fight to score? But when you score all the rounds for one guy and he's the house guy, I mean, it, it just it just stinks. I mean, it it makes people who are casual fans of boxing uh, think that it's not a legitimate sport, and, and and it's a shame.
2: Well, Jesse Vargas, of course, twenty five and uh, twenty five and zero now six kills. The three judges were Burt Clements. Burt, didn't you screw up a uh, Manny Pacquiao fight many years ago? Uh, the referee was Kenny Bayless. The judge was. Burt Clements, 118-111. Dave Murdy. Dave, what were you looking at? 118-111. You must have FedEx the score in a couple days earlier. And then the, the famed Glenn Trobridge, another guy that was politically connected and running for, like, school board or a county commissioner or something like that. He was connected in the po- in the po- political world down there in Vegas, 117-111. In other words, two judges saw it. It was two and one. In other words, the Russian won two rounds and one round was even. And the other judge gave him three rounds. And I'm telling you, Anton Novakoff got heisted last night. That was one of the biggest ripoffs oh, yeah. in a long time.
10: I I, I, I agree, and the, and, the, and what the problem with this thing is when these the, the fight I, I I can say probably wasn't the most scintillating fight. I mean, it's definitely a fight that a lot of people are going to forget about, and these are the types of fights that where they can kind of pull this stuff off and pull kind of you know the um the blinders on for everybody because people aren't going to remember. That this guy got heisted about two weeks from now, and I think that's really the problem. Is especially in the boxing community, the uh, journalists, the writers, they kind of just let these things slide. They say, "Oh, well, the hometown guy uh, always got is going to get the decision, or you got to beat the champion to uh, win a fight." And in my mind, these types of analogies that people have makes this stuff a lot worse. I mean, we need to call it for what it is. Nope. And, and uh, boxing needs to be uh, looked at as being a fair sport. And until some of this stuff gets uh, kind of called out a little more and a lot more attention is focused on it, I think it's just going to stay completely the same as, as it pretty much always has.
2: We're talking about Anton Novikov, folks, who got shorted last night against in Las Vegas against a Las Vegas fighter, Jesse Vargas. I said the scores were incredibly uh, 9-2-1 and then 9-3 as far as rounds were concerned. And that was a shame because it was probably – lopsided if it was to go the other way and
10: this is um not to cut you off but another thing i wanted to state here make it quick um, we
2: got about 40 seconds
10: what i was wondering is i think there needs to be some type of accountability um, I don't understand why um, when, you know, judges, for example, when fights are over and they make these ridiculous scorecards, they're just allowed to walk out the back of the arena. I mean, well, no, they no. not be held to any scrutiny? Uh, judges like Vic Draculitz, when he makes these ridiculous uh, disqualification uh, calls in a fight, and uh, basically, you know, he makes his own call on who he thinks the winner is. How come he doesn't have to explain why he made that decision? And I think some of these things, uh, these guys need to be held accountable. Same way fighters gotta do interviews. I think these guys should have to do interviews also when what they do is controversial.
2: Whoa. Kevin Perry. Kevin, call the Nevada State Athletic Commission this week since you live there and get an interview with the head guy and me. No problem. All right, much respect. Kevin Perry of ringtalk.com. You're tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide. You're Inside look at the world of boxing this hour. The upcoming hour on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network and the iHeart Radio Network. We're talking mixed martial arts. USC TJ Dillashaw Renan Barao two August thirtieth on pay per view.
3: Fast, easy, and affordable. Operators are waiting to take your call now. Order today and get free shipping. Just call 800-950-1180. Up to 75% off all the popular brand name prescription drugs and free shipping. Call 800-950-1180. That's 800-950-1180.
11: Hi, I'm Dr. Robert Clapper, Chief of Orthopedic Surgery at Cedars-Sinai Medical Group in Los Angeles, California
0: Now more of Ring Talk with Pedro Fernandez. Well, that's the way it goes. One in, one out. Of all the gin joints
1: in all the towns in all the world, she walks into mine. What's that you playing? Oh, just a little something on my own. Oh, stop it. You know what I want to hear. No, I don't. You played it for her, you play it for me. Well, I don't think I can remember. If he can stand it, I can.
0: Play it.
1: One week from today, August the 10th,
2: 2014, Stern Grove, San Francisco, California, Rock and Roll Hall of Famer the diva that's right darlene love in concert for free outdoors at the stern grove concert festival folks that will be on 19th and Sloat in the city by the bay san francisco california once again august 10th 2014 they break ice at two o'clock be there you got to get there early to get a great seat but man darlene love in the house the sigma stern grove festival august the 10th san francisco california darlene my baby you are tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide. Of course, seeing Darlene was part of my daddy's bucket list on radio and music and things like that. And then this week I saw Frankie, uh, well, not Frankie Valley, Frankie Valley's coming. But I saw Little Anthony and the Imperials over in Vallejo, California. I was blown away. Little Anthony's 73 years old. He blew for an hour and 15, an hour and 20 minutes, and he has a great voice skill. So if you get a chance to see these old acts, go see them before they perish. You are tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide. This hour, you're inside looking to the world of boxing. Upcoming an hour of MMA on these sports byline broadcast broadcasts. Don't forget, go to iHeartRadio. Download the iHeartRadio app. It's like the like the it has 30 million users. the 19th most downloaded app in the world. Download the app and check out Ring Talk Live Worldwide. They'll take it anywhere you go on your portable device, your telephone, your tablet, your computer. This is Ring Talk Live Worldwide. Until next time, much respect. Thank you, Scott Cuddy. It ain't easy to walk away.